Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Welcome to Food for Thought, where a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. I'm Tommy Pico, Indigenous American poet, editor, and shower singer. I'm Joe Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, total top, and popper sommelier. I'm Fran, writer, editor, and public enemy to the Hasidic Jewish neighborhood that he lives in. And I'm Dennis, writer, reader, and closet pizza hut junkie. Oh my god. That's juicy. (laughs) Dennis, that's Uh, true. Joe, will you tell us what we got on the menu for today? Yes, boys. This week we travel the country drinking and eating steak, hear about some classic thoughtiness, and consider our first times. Ready? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. That's juicy. Nom 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 thoughts. We're starting the show with a little amuse-bouche, small bite for your palate and mine, with the game we're calling Steakhouse or Gay Bar. Oof. Which I think is pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. I like both. <laughs> what I'm going to do is start you out with a couple of easy ones, and then it might get a little bit more difficult. Number one, industry. It's a gay bar. I've been there. It's a gay bar. Gay bar. Gay bar. Softball. Yeah. softball. Yeah. Peter yeah. Luger. That's a steakhouse. It's, it's a steakhouse? I'm going to go with steakhouse. It's a steakhouse. Metropolitan. It's a gay bar. Okay. Yeah, it's a gay bar. For sure. Fran basically lives there. I do live there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've had some moments at Metropolitan, so it is a gay bar. Uh, that's a trick question. It's both. It's both. Yeah. They do on, on Sundays, they do free oh. barbecue in the back. Well, that's not what makes it a steakhouse, but there is a Metropolitan uh. Steakhouse. <laughs> of course there is. I was going to say barbecue doesn't make a steakhouse steakhouse, Joe. Fine. Quality meat. Oh, that's a gay bar, I would say. I think it's a steakhouse. I'm going with Steakhouse. Tiebreaker. Steakhouse. Ah. Of course. Pony. That's a gay bar. I've been there in Seattle. No, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a steakhouse. I'm guessing gay bar. Gay bar in Seattle. Yeah, been there. Was there like two weeks ago? Oh, of course. Of course you were. Is that where you? Okay. okay, Joe has an unfair advantage. He's been to too many gay bars and too many steakhouses. Everywhere. The thottiest of the thought. Alexander's. Steakhouse. It's both. I bet. Steakhouse. Steakhouse. Oh. Mm. Well, I, I think was I've technically been there. Right. I, hope, I hope some of our listeners like call in being like, actually, there's an Alexander's as a gay bar in my hometown. <laughs> there probably, be, I mean, there probably is. It'll, it would be like Alexander the Greats, though. But I thought right. that was ambiguous enough that it could have been either one. Yeah, so it you was. did pick up on what I was putting down. <laughs> uh, Blake's on the park. Blake's on the park. I would say steakhouse. Sounds like a gay bar, but for like super rich white people. Yeah, I'm guessing that's like like Rich Fire Island gay bar. Harvard gay bar. Gay bar. Mm. Yes. yes. Wait, where is Do you know where park. it is? I did, but I didn't write it down. Mm. But we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Roundup. The Roundup sounds like a steakhouse. Um, I'm going to say gay bar. I'm going to say a gay bar that specializes in gangbangs. God. <laughs> I didn't Google them, but uh, it, also, is a, it is a gay bar. Do, yeah. Is that, is that a thing? Gay bars that specialize in gangbangs? I don't know. I just... I mean... I'm sure that's anything... That's what with I thought a, of, and I feel I like anything go goes. There. I would go there. Of course you would go there. I don't there. think that... That's no, I think, I think I any place there. that has like a back room and that doesn't yeah. have any lights is probably right, right, going right, to be right. privy to some group some, sex like, shit. That is true. That is true. The Denver Wrangler. The Denver Wrangler. I would say gay bar. Gay bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to be counted. I'm gonna go with steakhouse. It is a gay bar. Yes. Uh, Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I can't hold it together. <laughs> I thought that was a question. Steakhouse. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say gay bar. 
I'm I'm going with gay bar. It is a steakhouse. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's a nice cut of meat, if you will. Mm. We I mean, might. <laughs> Mine shaft. <laughs> gay bar, I hope. God. I gay have bar. to say steakhouse. It's steakhouse. <laughs> I, ha- I have to say gay bar because that's genius. It is a gay bar. Uh, mm, and for yes. our for our final steakhouse or gay bar, bizarre meat. <laughs> steakhouse, I think. I do. I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say gay bar. I hope it's a gay bar. It's Field a steakhouse. Yeah. Damn it! Ah. Bizarre meat. Oh I was like, we need. I was like, we need a field trip to that place. Like, Man, that was way tougher than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that was like a great really game was. Hey, thank you. I'm the game master. <laughs> the game master. Our next segment is called Impure Thoughts. It is a segment in which one of us share a very quick kiss and tell story and this week's thought is none other than our beloved wonderful tommy pico tommy mm. pico step right up ass bitch listen up hose spelled h-e-a-u-x <laughs> <laughs> so i'm going to tell you just about how my life got flipped turned upside down now i'm going to mm. tell you about my first threesome which happens to be my only threesome which people have a hard time believing, which I don't know if that's shade or not, but whatever. Um, (laughs) So to give you a little bit of context into my mindset at this time, I had just ended the longest relationship that I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. I was nestling quite nicely into my Shonda Rhimes year of yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was in the middle of my first book tour. So I was feeling pretty loose. You know what I mean? Like, I was untethered. I wouldn't say unhinged. You said that you were taking on some things about your persona in your writing as well, which just kind of, like, freed you up to be a star. For sure. And I was just, like, in a new town every single night, and it was just, it it leaves you open to a lot of thoughty activity. (laughs) Prime, prime, (laughs) thoughtery potential. Prime, thoughtery, prime is also the name of the steakhouse that I was going to put into the mix. (laughs) Yeah, but I didn't do. Anyway, so, um, let's just say I'm in Seattle, because I want to protect the guilty and i come through seattle a lot and there is this guy jay who was kind of my hoe in the area code you have to have those and mm-hmm. oh. Mm. oh my god for those Girl. of you who can't see tommy is currently blushing he blushed he has red. Emotions? it was mm, mm, mm. people say the word everything too often i'm sorry, sorry. Oh <laughs> um but what i liked about jay is that like it was just it was definitely no strings, and he did, like, we were at this bar one time, which was, like, his haunt, which is where I met him, which anytime I'm in town, I would just go there, and I'd probably see him that night. And I had, like, I, like, had my fingers, or I had his fingers in my mouth, which somebody in their Shonda Rhimes year of yes is want to do. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was, like, just so you know, I I have a, a boyfriend, and I was, Oof. like, just so you know, that's none of my business. I don't fucking live here, you know? Um, so I knew that he had a boyfriend, and... I knew what he looks like because I had been on his Instagram, mm-hmm. as somebody does when they have a phone and they're somewhat uh, not a Luddite. So I go to this bar. I have, I'm going through Seattle one more time. And I have a reading. After the reading, I go to this bar thinking, like, I might hit up Jay. He might be there. And he is there. But he's with his boyfriend. Ooh. And he does not acknowledge me when I walk in the door. Ooh. And I'm just like, I understand what it is. Again, not my town i understand right. like if you're there with that person that's probably who you're there with but like in my defense though if you're taking if we're in your hometown and you're taking me to your spot i assume you have somewhat of an open relationship right yeah, right because it wasn't i was sucking his fingers at the bar it wasn't discreet by any means mm-hmm. and I, so i'm like fine that's fine i clock that i know it i go i sit down bar from them order my ipa or whatever i turn to my left and there is this gigantic man which Tommy loves. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. into it. I'm sort of into it or whatever. I don't really care, but like, like if it's there, <laughs> don't mind if I do. Uh, and he, you know, he's like kind of tall where it's like, you can tell even when he's sitting down. Cause there's some people like, you don't know until they stand up that they got very giraffe true. legs mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's very, his torso and his legs are. Yeah. You got that fucking wall of China torso. Ooh, fucking yes. see that torso from space. So it's delicious. Com- Ooh, yeah, he's it was good. He's again. I, oh, this was a good night. Anyway, so sit down next to giant i'm just calling him Gigi, giant guy uh <laughs> and he's like hey and i'm like hey and then we just like start necking at the bar <gasps> mind you this is not a gay bar and this it's is not just, like, an episode of queer for the street <laughs> 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 but again shonda rhymes year of yes 
I don't live here. I'm I'm gonna be in Portland the next day, and then Eugene, and then mm-hmm. somewhere else. So I don't even really fucking care. You be free. Yeah. And even though I have something about me is that even when I have both eyes closed, I still have one eye open. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so yes, I can tell. Like Jay is rubbernecking like oh, yeah. he is looking at us and i'm like yeah you see me i'm in your town oh. making out with your people like whatever <laughs> um and at a certain point i you know Gigi and i ostensibly talk or whatever i go to the bathroom i notice that jay goes out to have a cigarette i come back from the bathroom and Gigi, the dude i was just making out with is now making out with Jay's boyfriend <gasps> while Jay is outside having a cigarette oh. and I was just like oh damn Seattle I didn't know that's how you did it but there it, are people funnier than we are I, ooh, yeah. who and, <laughs> and Seattle Seattle is a good place to be a thought it really mm-hmm. is it truly and you know mm-hmm. Revelations is not just a book in the Bible I was like damn <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I you know I and but again I don't live here I don't really care all that much not my town Shonda Rhimes year of yes I just sit down at a certain point <laughs> Gigi and 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 and, and Jay's boyfriend calm down and Jay comes in from having a cigarette and all of a sudden notices me he's like, oh my god hi how's it going guys you're in town oh are you had a reading that's so cool I'm like you check up on me like you know I was in right. your town like mm-hmm. don't even and don't you even try to pretend boy. yeah but he's like trying to save face or whatever and then he brings over his boyfriend and he's like this is my boyfriend and right. this boyfriend is salt of the earth like oh a pillar of salt he's like a salt lick he is not having me at all and I'm just like yeah that's right I pulled your man <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You see me on TV, B? <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, babe, we have to go. I'm like, so, you know, I'm like drunk or whatever, babe. Like, let's go. Got to like do yoga or whatever tomorrow. Ugh. And I'm like, bye. Um, so they leave. But consolation prize, I'm just sitting there making out with this gigantic man. And then 10 minutes later, Jay comes back in and is like, does. do you want to come over to, do you, the two of you want to come over to my place? What? Yeah, and like, it, just stated for the record, he does not live with his boyfriend. I know this because mm. I've been at his place a few times. Mm. So we go back and we're just like, and, and I have a question. Yeah? You do or do not know whether or not he's open with his boyfriend. He's not open with his boyfriend. I just assume so because okay. again, his hometown, his spot, right. sucked his fingers at the bar, I've been with him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He's not been like, di- like I said, he's not been discreet. So I just right. figure it's common knowledge. Yeah. Um, so we're getting it on. We're just like, Getting it on, right? Ask me how it was. How was it? It was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. So in my mind, like, I don't know. I guess in my imagination, in my masturbatory imagination, like a threesome is like super duper sexy. But in the middle of it, the thing is they were both very attentive to me, which I was all about. Right. But I've got like a D in my M and my B. And I'm like Ooh. going in between the two of them. And everyone's kind of. The, the technical term spit roasted. I, I know what it is. <laughs> oh. But I ain't no pig. So I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. I was like, that's not attractive. <laughs> I so, love, it can be fun though it, it, I'm sure it can be I'm but the sure thing is that do. we're like drunk you understand and so like I and the rhythm's all off so I'm going down too hard on things while being pulled off of other things and we're just yeah. like it's like tur- I feel like a weird accordion at this point <laughs> <laughs> and um and like there's this telepathic um we, there's just like this I everyone knows Nobody's having a good time. Nobody's going to get off. But nobody wants to call it right. either. It's also on a twin bed in a very small room. And yeah. we're three oh, tall people. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I buried the lead on that one. We're too old for that. <laughs> Way too old for that. Uh, but like, okay. So then as the man of the house, Jay is finally like, are you guys hungry? <laughs> and is, I'm writing that down as the perfect line to stop awkward sex. <laughs> everyone will always <laughs> yes. say yes. As yes. Dennis can attest and has attested to when there is like maybe the possibility of action you could skip a couple meals that is you know so i'm like he's like are you hungry and i'm like shonda rhymes you're up yes (laughs) so fucking hungry so we go downstairs fry some chicken wings have shiners in his backyard and that's like the threesome that i hold in my heart yeah is the is the wings and the shiners yes in the backyard just like hanging out i'm like we didn't need to do all of that there we didn't need to have pretext for having shiners and chicken wings in your backyard we could have just gone right back here right yeah and you would never yeah. do one again mm, i am my the first time yes has definitely soured me on okay. the possibility of threesomes mm. in the future i will say my yeah, first one was not that. great and they tend to be a little hit or miss because getting three people's sexual energy all in the same room all at the same time all compatible is really difficult but mm. when they shine honey they shine mm. no <laughs> i think tommy has confirmed I, my personal suspicion that threesomes are awful and I don't know. I I can't even deal 
with a threesome in porn, like looking mm-hmm. at that, like it's distracting. It's overwhelming. But I thought had... you were going to say, I could barely deal with a twosome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could deal with a twosome. That too. But I, um, I've had two, I've had two attempted threesomes so far in my life and they've both been less than stellar, but I would like attempted? to have a good one. I mean that they were aborted. They were okay. aborted halfway yeah. through. But but before you start fucking around, or, or b- aborted before on text. before there was anything other than rimming in terms of ass play. I don't know if that's the first thing. That <laughs> <laughs> right for like, the butthole. Until, we don't kiss. We, we until, rim. <laughs> until the dick enters me, I consider it the okay. aborted. That's how Dennis sense. kisses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's his Um No, I, listen, it can be. But I would like to have a good. I'd like to have a hot when threesome they're, because they're the people who be, like them mm-hmm. and who say that they can be really good really do seem to love them mm-hmm. on the flip side i have had actual literal nightmares about group sex like i that's my personal hell <laughs> i mean like i in in the words of samantha from sex in the city i identify as trisexual in that i will try anything once i know sorry for those of you who don't know i just started watching sex in the city because i'm stupid so and, now, and we still love you it's just i've yeah. never seen i've never seen it oh my god tommy everything wait really this, it's too much to, it's a big can of worms so <laughs> it's also it's infuriating transition. because every other thing tommy says sounds like a line from sex in the city ah, so true. like it is true. i also don't know how to interpret that as shade or not so <laughs> it is, is true. let's Let's move on. Yeah, I think it's time. Now we're going to get to the meat of our conversation, if you will. The thought process, Mm. T-H-O-T, where we talk a little bit about particularly loud first times. Yes, indeed. Piggybacking off of the threesome conversation we had earlier. So, like, full disclosure, like, I lost my virginity in, like, a blue minivan, like, in my senior year of high school. Hashtag and it was predictable. like, I know, it's the most predictable setup it's humanly possible. Yeah. It's like every single thing that you could predict about the scenario literally happened. Who did the minivan belong to? Okay, the minivan obviously belonged to, it was the family minivan. Duh. Your family? So, uh, my family's oh, minivan. So I was driving, of course. Yeah, I mean, I was, like, the boss in that whole relationship. I was, like, you know, every in every which way. Um, I was, like, the person who, like, kind of controlled it. And so mm. our first, like, we had, like, done other stuff, but, like, our first actual sex was so... What do you mean by actual sex? And by actual yeah. sex, I mean, I mean, at, right, everybody defines it a different way. I'm talking about, like, penetrative sex. That's how I define virginity as well. Me too. Did you ever get fingered before you got a dick? I mm. had not gotten fingered before I got a dick, but I had, I had in fact, read, ver- like, excerpts from a copy of The Joy of Gay Sex. So I did know about stretching out your butthole first. Okay, God good. bless that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. But I, I for for this purpose, I was not bottoming my very first time. Oh. So I did know how to prep him properly. At least my, my senior year version self. Um, just in case. Know. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> but it went every which way wrong that you could possibly think of still, even with all of the Wikipediaing that you do before. Right. I feel like I mean, does did any does anybody here have like an idealized well, first sex story? No, mine had some some. It was a fecal situation. Oh <laughs> no, oh, no. But I just thought the thing is, I didn't read the Joy of Gay Sex. I didn't have that uh, kind of entree. Even though right. my older brother is gay, I I I just thought, and and also you know, I kind of came up in punk, and I just like met a dude at a punk show, and I was like fifteen years old or whatever, like NBD. Oh. But um, the thing is, I just thought gay sex was somebody puts it in your butt, and then it smells like shit for a while. Huh. Well, I can see how you Which would take that, especially sometimes. at 15. That's very intuitive. That does <laughs> happen sometimes. I wasn't like, I wasn't, I didn't neg myself. I wasn't like, that's an abomination. How could you, I was just like, oh, that's just what it is. It that's was kind of like what, yeah. bull horns. You go back yeah. there, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I've only, as an adult, have gotten a little bit more strict about my routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, but again, I was like in punk and I was like, right. I was so, anti. As we sometimes frequently like to discuss on this show, um, I lost my virginity when I was 27. I held it for quite a long time. So I've only actually even been engaging in anal sex for four years. But and at, at what age did you first hook up? 13. Right. Oh, my that's God. The, that's so, the, like, the biggest stretch of anyone that in I've the ever kitchen? heard. Yeah. Um, that did happen, but no, the first 
hookup was in a bathroom in the basement of like a Levin furniture in the basement of the Parma Town Mall. <laughs> like, so that needs to be that needs to be said. Um, but what I was going to say is that when it comes to the whole dealing with the anus, because I have known forever that I was a bottom, um, I, you know, I did make sure to be very clean that first time and it all went very smoothly and it was a really because it was so well controlled and I think because like I was really truly grown by the time I had anal sex Mm. it like it just like all went very smoothly but I will say that when he entered me um I thought I was going to die for like a full 90 seconds I was like and I'm dying and I'm dying and it's okay. My yeah. first also, yeah. Thought the yeah, fascinating thing is that yeah. you always say that like you're never home unless you have a dick inside of you. But the first time. Oh my God. Well, for the first 90 seconds, but within 90 seconds, I was like, oh, this feels right. Yeah. I feel, I still. Really? It was like, it was like, I this still feel correct. today sometimes like the first like 40 seconds. I'm like, oh my God, I'm yeah. going to die. Oh, I mean, me too. And that's what poppers are for. It gets you over that first mm-hmm. 40 <laughs> seconds. I will say You're though, a pusher, Joe. You're a, a pusher. fucking poppers. poppers. The first time I ever had a dick in me was great because I had... Poppers. The, the thoughts know this, but I had a, a girlfriend before and I still identify as queer, so I would date a woman or, you know, a trans person. It doesn't really... Gender doesn't really matter to me in terms of attraction, but like my girlfriend had been fucking me for a long time by the time I took a dick. Oh. And so it was like mm. I, I started dating this boy and I, I fucked wow. him a bunch th- and he would not fuck me. I was like, fuck me, fuck me. He was like, no, you've never done it before. And I was like, it's fine. I've done it by myself a ton. I, my what was ex, he? Af- was he afraid you were going to fall in love? Like I just—he was afraid that it would hurt or that I wasn't ready. You know that kind of like well, it, patronizing, like you don't know your own body, like you're not really ready for what you say you're ready for. And then he fucked me, and it was great. And he was like, "That was great." I was like, "I told you." Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, also, like you were grown by then. Yeah. I mean, like I, was, I, I was, feel like if young you were, 20s. Yeah. well, yeah, but I feel like if you were like 15 and the guy was like, I don't know, right, significantly I was older, not a teenager. like. I could sort of understand being like, no, you're not ready. But I just feel, even though, you know, that's like very condescending and ageist. But I feel like you I were he- grown. I hear you like on you that. Would know. Yeah. What you were trying to say, Dennis, is that Joe had his butthole bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe's butthole had finally matured. Yeah. It was Thank ready. You, Could we make that a hashtag? <laughs> The timer was like, ding. <laughs> the it rolls are like, ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ugh. I'm yes. curious about exactly. a, a, some other firsts. Like, Fran, when did you first know who Sade was? <laughs> oh, my God. Every episode. Okay, you guys, for those of you who don't know, Tommy constantly makes fun of the fact that the first time he met me, which was at my birthday party, I believe, I did not know who Sade was, which was three years ago. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I now love Sade. Might get her tattooed on my body. It's fine. But he's made up for lost time. Too little, too late, When bitch. I first no. discovered, like, the meaning of Sade, I did not stop listening to Sade. Right, that's the amazing thing. In yeah. a way, it's, like, really precious to save some of these things to later in life. Because if you grow up with it, then it's just always been a part of you. Yeah. But, like, when you get it's to really discover true. something as you're an adult human being for the first time, and it's something so, like, life-altering as mm. Sade, and you're yeah. just like, oh, this changes everything. Well, I can have sex to this? Oh, my yeah. God. You well, can articulate the wonder in yeah, a much better way. Like, right. when you're younger, you're just sort of like, oh, my God. But you, like, don't you, you, you fully understand. You appreciate other people's wonder of it, yeah. and you kind of grow up with already having that wonder, but you don't yeah. necessarily. And you've developed the skills to like be able to think about something critically, and yeah. and also develop a reading or an interpretation of something. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like my interpretation of Soldier in Love now is way different than if I would have oh. listened to it as a fifteen year old. Yes. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. is it a crime? Is my favorite Shonda song, and there's no way I would have been able to start processing what that song is about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I can listen to it and actually weep. Like, it's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I feel like this is the case with a lot of pieces of media or art that I, like, consume now that I didn't consume when I was a kid. Is that someone like, like, music like Sade is maybe music that I would hear as a kid and be like, ah, that's boring or, ah, right. that's, like, weird, you yeah. know? Like, and then you, like, grow into it and you're like, oh, my God, why has this been missing from my life? That's true. Time? I mean, I think really brilliant media works on, like, multiple levels, mm-hmm. and it's a, such a basic example, but the example that I always use is The Simpsons, which I totally mm-hmm. watched as yeah. a kid, and my parents were like, you're not allowed to watch that because it's crass and they fart and blah, blah, blah. 
And like you appreciate it as a young person for that. And then you watch it again in like college and you're like, actually, this is really political and interesting and has a lot of social commentary in it that just mm-hmm. totally went over my head. So it's yeah. like you get to have a first time again with something Ooh, that you've yeah. been consuming all your life. For yeah. sure. And like there's this one Simpsons joke in particular where Homer Simpson, like somebody asked something and, and uh, and Lisa was like, do you know what rhetorical means? And he was like, do I know what rhetorical means? <laughs> <laughs> and just like there was something about his tone of voice Amazing. that made me laugh when I was younger. And yeah. then being an older person who understood what a rhetorical question <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is there yeah. is there a first art that you remember doing that, like a first experience of like a book or an album or something that, that gave you that like... I don't know what you would call it, like that fuzzy feeling. It's like kind of something outside of time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so (laughs) Joe and I may get into it over this too, but um, I often tell people that there's a particular book that for me taught me on the surface level that I was getting so much more out of literature than just, um, excuse me, entertainment. And that was this novel called Caucasia, which is written by this writer named Danzy Senna. Um, It just talked about this very complicated political situation in which these these two sisters, one, their parents were in an interracial Mm -hmm. relationship. They had a white mother and a black father, and the parents were extremely radical, left-leaning political activists in the 70s. And so this is when sort of the black power movement was kind of beginning. But what the book did for me that was so powerful was that that was the first time I'd ever read a book that really mirrored a lot of the ways in which I felt internally. Now, I am not technically biracial. I'm not like 50-50. My family is very multiracial. Um, my mother, many people think that my mother is white because she's really light-skinned. And I grew up... Um, in like a more affluent neighborhood, a lot of the activities that I did as a kid, the figure skating, the classical music, I was surrounded by other white kids. And so I always felt this like sort of racial pull. It just opened my eyes to, first of all, what literature could do for a person, um, because I'd always been a voracious reader, but I had never really thought of it as anything other than like just something fun that I really like to do, like a pastime. I feel you. Um, yeah, but it was, this was, it was just, it was that first moment that we always talk about, especially as writers, where we're like, I I understand this. Like, this on the page, I understand this. I feel this. I'm not the only person who feels this that way. You, you meet the book where it is. That you meet like, the book where it is. I think and the book meets you where you are. When we talk about, like, literature or whatever, or music or, or any kind of pop culture as, as being, like, sort of bystander or, or like, a pastime, it's because mm-hmm. it's transmitting something to you. When we call right. something commercial, it's just, like, feeding us with something. That's right. It's not as yeah. much of a conversation or as a dialogue and mm-hmm. we don't really necessarily yes. always bring our experiences to the book right. or to the album or whatever I mm-hmm. had this exact feeling about Beyonce yes. <laughs> when mm-hmm. self-titled came out yes. and I looked at like Claudia like Claudia Rankin says like looked at her as if I'd seen her for the first time that's right and yeah. I was like oh this is actually an epic poem it is mm-hmm. it's like I sat down so it was on my birthday <laughs> let me tell you it was yes. my 30th birthday <laughs> oh my god yeah minute I turned 30 my mom called me and she's like, how's it going, Tommy? Like, what's going on? Are you partying or whatever? And all of my friends had given me like a surprise birthday party the week before. So I was just like, you're all off the hook for tonight. Don't even worry about it. AJ, nothing but a number. I don't give a fuck. Like time is a social construct or whatever. Like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> but then like nine o'clock uh, on December 12th happened. And I was like, like nine, Ugh. 10, 11. I have three hours left in my 20s. What yeah. the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> so like I ran to this like um, like this poetry library in Bushwick that was having a, a reading at the time. And I ran into mm. people who I knew. And I just felt like I was engaging with something. And I was a part of this community. And I was like, what? I, I, I felt like quelled a little bit. So I go home, and then it's like 11.30, and I'm by myself, and I was like, I have a half an hour left of being in my 20s. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Again, my mom calls me at midnight. The clock strikes 12. It is officially December 13th, and she's like, how are you doing? And I am also on Twitter at the same time as I'm talking to her because I find it <laughs> – I love you, mom, but if I had, sometimes it helps me to do two things at once. Same. Same when I'm on the phone, totally. just to like have a little, totally. bit of, you know, like a little bit of emotional Hashtag safety. Yeah, I yeah. do that a lot at work. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury. Because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts 
healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards healthcare and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit Capella.edu to learn more. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Couric, here to tell you that my podcast, Next Question, is back with a whole new season. New guests, new topics, same curious me. My next question. My next question. My next question. So here's my next question. I want to talk about all the things, like how we're going to get to a post-COVID world. Can you even imagine it? How to heal from the trauma of this year and how to find and share joy despite it all. Join me for season three of Next Question with Katie Couric. New episodes every Thursday. Subscribe and listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Um, but so so then then Twitter was like new Beyonce album, new Beyonce. I feel oh, like it was maybe Saeed yeah. Jones or somebody like that, or somebody mm-hmm. was just like it was like started dominating my feed, and I was like, wait, what a minute, wait, what <laughs> new Beyonce album? I was like, sorry, mom, gotta go. And I downloaded <laughs> it. Love you. Okay, thanks, bye. And I downloaded thanks it. Thanks for birthing me thirty years ago. You're the reason this all happened. I have to do something. I'm so tired. Oh my god. I was just listening to poetry, and it put me in the mood to sleep, which it usually does. Um, but then I just like I sat. I I, I downloaded the album. I watched all of the videos i listened to all of the music i spent like beyonce ushered me into my 30s i felt like right. i yes. spent the night with yes. her and not just it was like mature beyonce that was the first album that was like adult beyonce. yeah that was like real and so I have, it was like you were growing yeah. older with her, her coming of age. Yes. yes and yes. i feel like we were coming of age sort of together like okay don't get me wrong me myself and i has been in my top five you know right. what i mean like i don't sleep oh, on absolutely. beyonce but like that album i was like i saw how that like, I saw how like she had attempted to incorporate video into stuff that she'd done before, right. mm-hmm. and this like it merged it. I felt like I was getting an idea of Beyonce that was not just the thing that she was willing to share with people, mm-hmm. but in the way that that Joan uh, Joan Rivers documentary, mm. like it it gave you something underneath the the, the veneer. Yes, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, absolutely. That was she when was I was like, oh, you're 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 an artist. Uh-huh. Like you're mm-hmm. really truly an artist well she was willing to be vulnerable for the first time in that as well it was no longer like pop goodness that you consumed it was like mm-hmm. here's also a little bit of my humanity coming out yeah, yeah. And, like there was i remember going through it with a friend of mine and tracking all of the different visual metaphors so, like when she's wearing ears right. or um there is a lot of references to classical art like the mm-hmm. during the mine video when she's like in the pieta mm-hmm. which is like you know like mary grieving over jesus and that song is like kind of about her miscarriage yeah you know and like how one of the the saddest one, one of the worst things that can happen to a mother is a child dying before them mm-hmm. you know and she's like has decided to the, and the it was preceded by rockets which is like the song that's like all about like rockets and waterfalls like we built this thing and it's amazing and then xo begins with the challenger explosion mm-hmm. uh. like you can do everything perfect and, and, then, it, and life can still fuck with you yep. your body is still fallible that's you're right. still a thing with eyes and hands and ears like, and shit coming back to claudia renka mm. it's just like yeah. ugh. Yeah, when that album came out, I have never thought about anything less than downloading it. Like I just like I just saw it and I was like, oh, oh, oh my god, my, my finger, was, what am I? Thinking? It, was, it was a reflex. It was it's, muscle it's memory. Just, that's it. That's it. Oh yeah, it was so bizarre. Like, I'm but... not eating tomorrow, but I have Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, I remember oh, yeah. going. I had like a desk job at the time. I remember bringing my laptop to work so that I could. It was your, it was your it iPod. Again. It was your yeah. MP3 player. Yeah, that's literally yeah. what it was. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that, to your point, Tommy, like that, 
that also I felt like in that album like Beyonce like gave herself permission or the powers that be or the machine that mm -hmm. she exists inside of gave her permission to be a little bad to be a little vulnerable right. to like Sexual. be all these things outside mm -hmm. of the the kind of sculpture that she created that was Beyonce um, and I feel like so, some of my favorite art just yeah. like has always done like fucking have you guys ever listened to Michelle Branch's hotel paper like tell us about it I'm sorry I'm, like I'm black Michelle so no. <laughs> okay <laughs> Michelle Branch was ahead of her time, of course. <laughs> uh, hotel paper is none other than her magnum opus, in my opinion. A lot of people would disagree, however. I love hotel paper. But I'm I remember some tea like, right now. I, I, you know, checked out that CD from the library, Ugh. listened to it, <laughs> and I remember getting in a fight with my family on like vacation mm. and then taking that CD and like putting it into my Walkman, listening to it on my Walkman to me like, yeah. Fuck everyone. <laughs> this is like, I am obviously like the best person and like, I can make mistakes and like, that's okay. Like yeah. Michelle Branch, like gave me permission to be like, be bad. She was like, you're like, people are telling you that you're bad, but actually like, you're not like, you're right. just like a part of the system that believes you're bad. Such a faggot rebel um, with a cause. I know. That was it's, me. What was it? Fran, I should just tell you that I can't really judge you for your affection for Michelle Branch. Nobody because can. when I was 16, <laughs> I got into my first car accident while driving and listening to Vanessa Carlton. Oh, oh my God. So okay. I was, I, I'm too. still not quite sure what the difference is. Between <laughs> okay. Vanessa there is Carlton none. There no. is none. Rude. <laughs> that is so disrespectful to Michelle Branch. Vanessa Carlton. Ouch. Fucking Ouch. player piano bullshit. Fucking soundtrack to whatever Ooh. Nicholas Sparks Ooh. movie just came out. Like, and actually just threw his rosé in Dennis's so face. I don't know. I've a Thousand Miles to. was my jam, okay? What? Is, is that, that is Vanessa Carlton? Yes. Fuck off. I think that's yeah. the right. Or is that Thousand Michelle Branch? Miles. It's that's Vanessa, Vanessa Carlton. Carlton. Rude. What did Michelle Branch do? I don't know. Oh, my God. Because you're did she? Oh, yeah. I'll stop singing. I'm sorry. That is one first yeah, that I have yeah, not yeah. done is I've never thrown a glass of wine in someone's face. I made Me neither. I would like to. I made my cousins throw Kool-Aid in each other's faces. Oh, oh my God. When we were in like fourth oh, grade, my, I engineered this argument. Did. So this is the first time I realized my powers of manipulation. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> my cousins, Sunsabrae and Raquel, were uh, like, kind of like, I would say, they weren't in a fight just yet, but they were a little bit aggravated with each other About and i was right. just like mm. and they were just like you know talking to each other this was at uh summer bible study oh yes <laughs> been there and uh I, you know they were talking to each other and i like uh, like pitch up the sun today and i was like you you don't want to know what raquel has been saying to you oh no earlier today when we was having goldfish break goldfish cracker break you know what she said about your mom and then i went oh, to raquel and i was like queen and i was like kelly Sansi Ray, okay, so when we was at Goldfish Break, <sighs> Sansi Ray was like, blah, blah, blah. And then um, then they were just like really going at each other, and I was like, Kelly. And Sansi Ray was wearing a white shirt, and I was like, Kelly, you should splash your Kool-Aid. And she had red Kool-Aid, a cup oh of red Kool-Aid, and I was like, Kelly, you should splash your Kool-Aid in, in her face. And she did it, and then they just like went at each other. And oh, I my back, God. Like, <laughs> you, uh, you eat I your popcorn, like. I am not. the game master. <laughs> <laughs> your career you? is definitely just going to yeah. be a producer of reality TV. Like, <laughs> that is like, so that is what the producers God. of the Housewives shows do. <laughs> they just like, they start yeah. shit and give them wine to throw at one yeah. another. It's like, you started young. So basically, he's Satan. Yeah. You know. I do have to say though, you horns. Guys, I got my horns. Um, one of my most revolutionary moments with reading was when I learned, like, when art became something that didn't just describe the world to me, but actually like expanded what the world could be. Mm. And mm -hmm. I was nineteen. And I was in college, and I read a book called *The Lover* by Marguerite Duras. Oh, and yes, it's an I incredible. It was like it was like the book. That book made me queer, and it's ironic. Tell me more about it because it, it is about a straight relationship. It's about this fifteen-year-old girl who's white and impoverished and growing up in French Indochina at the time. Mm -hmm. And in order to make money, her family kind of whores her out to this older thirty-two-year-old wealthy man, and they kind of have a love affair. Um, but what was magical about it was that. The desire and love and sexual and romantic feeling broke all sorts of boundaries that were not supposed to be broken. She had a crush on her, like, boarding school friend. She had a crush on her, like, and sexual longing for her brother. It was all this, like, super sexy language that just didn't it is very make sexy. sense. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, desire can 
do things that desire wasn't supposed to do. It was like in that moment at 19 that I realized that some of the kind of feelings I had had for boys growing up were more than Mm -hmm. it was desire. And I kind of like that book clicked it in that like the world could have possibilities that I hadn't even, I hadn't even imagined that that was possible. It was kind of like taking a breath for the first time. It it was, it really was. And I actually fell in love with a girl through reading that book. We were, it was so nerdy. We were in like class together and we like both, (laughs) everyone else in the class hated the book and we were both like, oh my God, this is the most amazing, most amazing. And she had a boyfriend. So that made it perfect because it was like impossible. Mm. And it was like, uh, and yeah, we people, like, people in, oh, it makes it so much more romantic, right? Oh God, it was so good. It's just like setting up. And I was like enamored with impossible love for years. It's like the book is all about impossible love. It's like this impossible love between all that sounds pretty gay. and yeah, all of these. Yeah. It's yeah. the yeah. most homosexual thing I've ever heard. And, like, and, and yeah. then it ruins both of their lives. Like spoiler alert, the book ends with this scene of both of them being old and they call each other. He calls her on the phone and is like, I loved you and have always loved you. And it's basically ruined my life. And it's just like, Spoiler alert. I, like, I, I want this. I want that. I want to feel that deeply about someone, anyone. And so it was just like really, mm. it, it, it changed what the, what was possible in the world for me. Do you still want to feel that deeply about somebody? Do you feel that deeply? I about do, somebody? but I don't want it to be self-destructive anymore. Right. I like don't want for, it to be consuming in that same way. I still do. I still do want it to be consuming, which is like something that is hard for me in relationships. Interesting. Cause when I, that makes me feel threatened. Oh. If something uh, like uh, uh, untethers me from what it is that I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. all of a sudden yeah. I, I get suspicious yeah. of something like that. Really? Yeah. And more along those lines, too. Yeah, I'm a Pisces, so I just want to like bleed. I want my heart to bleed all over everything. And that informs my art. Like, it, my art is very connected to like my feelings. And I feel like I've drawn so much inspiration. It's like, you know, I've heard you boys say that like you've written for revenge and your best work comes from revenge. My best work comes from love and heartbreak. Like, absolutely. Mm. So my like partners get very nervous because they always like filter down into my work whether I tried to put them there or oh, not. Oh, that's going to be... That's, that. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a part of it. What did Michelle T say? Like, uh, if you're going to write about somebody, be able to look them in the face. That's be able right. to sit in a room mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. Fran, I just, like, I was just thinking, my brain was thinking really quickly about what um, Joe and Tommy just said, and I also related more to what Tommy said about how he's suspicious about that. And I was going to say that for me, I feel like some of that comes from my religious upbringing and the mm-hmm. idea that, like, like, if that kind of love or that kind of intensity feels good to you then there's something wrong with that because be I was simple. raised with so much of a sense of like the things that are pleasurable or the things that feel good are actually like but of there's so the much in religion Shit. that's also like rapture it's like it's like you give yourself over to like it's meant to be to Christ or to God but there's like a lot of history of religion that's actually like letting your body feel these incredibly like overwhelming and uncontrollable thing. It has, it's a, it has I mean, an identity crisis. For sure. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. I mean, that's what speaking in tongues would be. That's Precisely. what so many things are. But like, like you, I feel like you don't like when you're young. You're not necessarily taught to think about that in that way. Like I've never had a member of the clergy or someone who would be considered any kind of authority figure in the church talk about pleasure or rapture right. in that way unless they were talking about Jesus specifically. Hey guys, pleasure. We're going we're to have mean? a science moment for the first time. Can I do it? Yeah, absolutely. That, like there are studies that show that those the, the brain patterns of when people like speak in tongues or go into ecstasy are like the same brain patterns that happen when people are on drugs like that's not oh. a made-up thing it actually oh, is like your brain is transporting you to someplace else it's just people figure out ways of meditation or other types of spiritual practice that gets mm-hmm. them to that same brain place and d- does that state affect memory hmm what do you like is it long-term it memory well okay i'm gonna say this in particular because somebody asked me about it very recently and do you ever feel that like after you've made something and you put it out there in the world you read it later and you don't remember doing it or, yeah. or you're just like, who did that? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? Like what, uh, like, I guess that came out of me. I guess that right. was like a product of my brain and some chemicals and like a pen and some shit, maybe a computer. I don't really know, but I've been thinking about it a lot recently and, and feeling like, you know, when you're like in the zone, you're mm-hmm. like working on something mm-hmm. and you're like in the zone mm-hmm. I feel like I am under the influence of something. Totally. And yeah. that's why mm-hmm. I think it affects my memory. That's why I can't remember actually creating the thing because mm. I am on a tip. Like I yeah. am trying to get my way through something. And maybe it's just because I'm trying to finish a book right now I'm, and it's like overdue and, and, and it's consuming my every single day. Uh-huh. But there are moments in the day when I get in the zone and later on I can't, I can't really recall. Sometimes your best writing is from that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. like, where the fuck did this come from? But it's brilliant. Yeah. When I finished the first manuscript so for my novel, I definitely, I remember going, it's, it's a piece of shit and it's like, it, it, I would, I would never like publish it anywhere. Maybe like bones of it are good, but like 
I remember going back and trying I'm really to responding to your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I, I, it's true. Like, but I remember going back and like reading the manuscript and being like, like reading entire pages where I had zero no recollection. And, and I'm talking about like, I'm only reading this like eight months out. Like I had zero recollection of writing it because I was writing it at 3 a.m. or because I was writing it after having written for like six hours at a time. Right. I was so obsessed with it wow. uh, that I completely forgot what I had written and was surprised. Or like you, or like you read it and you're like, oh, good job. Oh, nice. I'm like, only wow. ever horrified. I'm only ever horrified. <laughs> I I mean, I my my reactions span the gamut, but I remember just about everything. Like I remember the writing of just about everything. Mm-hmm. Like I will have experiences that feel that way that f- sort of feel like I'm enraptured while I'm writing or... Um, that something's moving through me and I'm not really doing it, but I'm always, I have no trouble remembering everything. I can tell you almost every sentence of my novel that's written at this point, I could tell you where I was, um, and what time of day it was and, and the entire circumstances around me writing that sentence. I remember everything good, like the bad stuff I forget, (laughs) but like, actually I also remember the very first time that I was writing where I had an ecstatic moment where I was like, that is the line that is the, that is the line. Like that is the line that, that like sells the whole piece. And it always, for me, it almost always is a line that someone like quotes back to me or puts on Facebook or something. Like I knew at that moment, Mm. I've been thinking about this essay for months and months. And I was like, I remember I was biking down Fifth Avenue going to work and I like, I like pulled over on my bike. I was like writing it down in my phone. Cause I was like, if I let this get out of my brain, it's like mm, the smartest thing insane. I've ever thought of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I want to contradict a little bit of what you said in that. I, I tend to mostly remember bad things. And then the, fr- <laughs> and then the good things are the things that I like don't retain and kind of speaks to the effect of the, you know, I do things out of revenge and I have success out of revenge. But also like to your point, Dennis, yeah. Like, you know, the day I stopped believing in God was the day I stopped trusting stuff. You yeah. know, Whoa. that's really like real. the, the day. I mean, that's a whole episode. I know it I really would is. Love to know when everyone <clears throat> stopped believing in God. Tbqh. For me, it was I was 18 years old, and I had already started dating my very first boyfriend, and it was a, maybe a month into it, and I'd already thought a lot about whether God really existed or not, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I remember getting in a huge fight with my mom about going to church and how I didn't want to go. And my mom said something really mean and awful to me. Um, and I was also just being a brat. And I, and I went into my room and I s- sat on my bed and I, s- and I literally said out loud to myself, I don't believe in God. You did it out of revenge. Yeah, Ooh. because oh, wow. I, well, I, I said it to my <laughs> mom, but my mom was not in the room. My mom wasn't in the room. My mom didn't hear me, but, no, but I said it as if it were to my right, mom. Right, that's that amazing that so you like changed is vindictive. something that's in not your anything mind. new. I that did, is, and it, wow. it was, I mean, I, it'll, that sounds like, like such a stupid cinematic movie moment, but that's literally how it happened for me. And I'm sure that like a version of me didn't believe in God before right. and maybe I was easing out of it after but that well, was the doubt is a central tenet of, exactly. of religion anyway oh, yeah. right yeah. well well what about you Tommy uh it was very early I mean I was raised Catholic on the reservation the thing about being raised Catholic on an Indian reservation though is that you kind of already know that something has supplanted something earlier <laughs> you know that like <laughs> I feel like a lot of times yeah, and there yeah. are a lot of like Catholic traditions that are weaved into older more traditional kumyai cultural practices because you know they were like we're gonna convert all you or or we're gonna kill you and we're like oh sure yeah we love god awesome let's (laughs) do this (laughs) and then it was like you close the door of the church and you're like all right now that they're not here we can do what the fuck it is that we want to do at least that was my interpretation of it so there was a part of me that never really believed you know but but there was another part of me that actually really really did i wanted to be so good i wanted to like I, i you know i was like uh when we would have catechism i was like teacher's pet you know like i i stayed after and i i I stacked the chairs and in the morning i got there before anyone else did and i put them out you know um and i I, so i guess what i'm trying to say is i think i really there was a part of me that really really wanted to believe because i equated faith with goodness like faith in god with goodness Mm -hmm. um but then i remember uh seeing this I think it was like a news entertainment tonight. I don't know what it was. It was a news program. It was very young. It must not have been entertainment tonight. We were at a hotel because we didn't have cable on the reservation. Anyway, long story short, uh, somebody on TV was talking about different religions. And this is me in like third or fourth grade. And I turned to my mom and I'm like, there are different religions. (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but 
okay, so, but if they don't believe what we believe, right. they're going to hell? And she's like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, but, but what if they never got exposed to it? They didn't have a choice. So people are just forsaken from the beginning <laughs> in words that I knew as a third grader. Right, right, I didn't right. know the word forsaken. Maybe I did. I don't know. I was very precocious. <laughs> <laughs> I was way more adult when I was a child than I am now. Um, Same, for sure. But, uh, and, and I just couldn't reconcile those two things. I couldn't reconcile the fact of people going to hell for no reason right. other than they just weren't exposed that to the thing that I grew up with. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the well, the adults in my life had an answer for that, which is just like if they hadn't, which was just that if they hadn't been exposed to it, they get to go to purgatory. Well, no, they would go to heaven. Like it wasn't at all like a thing that was their fault, and like of course they would go to heaven, and Jesus would never forsake them. The Baptist Church is a little bit different than than Catholicism in in some specific ways, and I think that was a pretty sound like teaching because I had those same questions when I was in high school. Um, but for me, what I would say is that to be honest, I don't know that I've still completely decided that I don't believe in God. <gasps> I the the most declarative yeah. the most get, declarative statement that I will out. make and have made for a long time is that I would be an agnostic and that I would say that I'm not sure because I just haven't I don't have a satisfactory um I don't have enough evidence to say one way or another um and it's it's really hard for me to shake the feeling that there might be some kind of being that's out there. And, mm. and like I have like that, and that influences my life in many ways. And my thinking mm. in many ways, like even though I wouldn't consider myself a religious or faith person. God, I envy that so much. Like I really wish I could believe in something. I, 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 I feel like I would I feel actually, freer if I didn't. I, um, so that's interesting. I have two words for the end of my relationship with organized religion. And that's Pope Nazi. I like, don't remember if when, I can't even remember his name, but the Catholic Church, it was in college, elected a um, a pope who was both conservative and been in um, the Nazi party as a youth. And I was mm. just like, you know what? I'm done. Mm. Like, I'm That's done. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that I have uh, exchanged my belief in the Catholic teaching for my belief in something else, and that is poppers. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which I evangelize all the time. Oh, and speaking God. of first time oh my god joe brought poppers into, brought the poppers into the studio really? and there are two people here who have never done poppers so i just am curious <laughs> I don't know to who see they are. it's tommy to give them yeah i don't know this religious <laughs> experience nobody is gonna believe i never time. tried something. <laughs> 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 so boys all you have to do is you put it to your nose and just give it a little sniff just Fuck do one off. nostril and one deep sniff oh for the first god. time it's it's a little high it only lasts about 30 seconds so if you don't like it you never have to do it again and is... i want to take a quick aside to this because oh, i really want this to happen I'm like I remember, terrified. Okay, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like the okay. So first time that I'm extremely attached to is the first time that Dennis took edibles. It was when we were all in Portland over oh, the yes. summer. Oh my god! And <laughs> I remember. So there was this Chex mix that Alex G gave us, and oh Dennis my. took some, completely legal in, in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, and. You know, we had there was like the final party, and everyone had kind of separated and did their own thing. The final, oh, sorry. So we um, went to a workshop together, a Tin House Summer Writers Workshop, which is where we all met. And the the closing party of this, Dennis had taken some of the checks mix. Yes. <laughs> I come to the bar, and I'm by a drink, and I see Dennis. His back is to me, and I'm like, "Oh, Dennis!" I I turn and I tap him on the shoulder, and he turns around just like. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really say anything like, how are you doing? How, you know, are you, are, is it feeling good? And Dennis just puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, and then turns around. Just doesn't nods. say a word. Just doesn't say a word. Doesn't even engage with me. Doesn't talk to me. And I'm just like, I don't know if you're like trying to have a conversation. Like, did you talk to so-and-so? And like, look, who's looking fine? Like, so-and-so's a mess. And Dennis is just like. The happiest Dennis has ever been. And just turned <laughs> so around. Funny. And then just like, 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 I don't know, like, like this, like a Welsh witch just like went out into the party. There was like, I'm sure there was like a <laughs> fog machine or something and a shawl. Uh, and oh, yes. I just thought it was like the always. greatest first experience with edibles that one could probably yeah. have. I mm-hmm. almost always That's remember amazing. Dennis in a shawl. Um, the, the, first, <laughs> the first time I did weed, quick aside, was I, I, the only thing I remember for the first time I, I smoked was that a, a Grizzly Bear album was like the best no. album I had ever no. listened Wrong. to. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> music is awesome. I love Grizzly Bear. Was this like the Vecamist? <laughs> yes. yes. Wrong. I like that album. Bad, but I, I don't remember anything bad, else from that experience. I also have a very particular edibles experience with, well, a weed experience with, with that album, but I remember it's like a memory that I continually come back to, which is being in the East River Park with a eating, um, like a like 
Greek food on top of a blanket, having just being absolutely, absolutely completely stoned. And this was the show that like it was like um, Beach House and Grizzly Bear, oh and, and Solange was there with Beyonce. <gasps> yeah. uh. Solange's friends with Ed Rose. Yeah. And they did her album, or they produced uh, her album, or something amazing. like that. Yeah. Anyway, so it was just like that magical time of day. It was like the middle of summer, and the sky was like pink. The sun was going down. It's that one magical time of day when like the sun is going down and all the lights are coming on. Mm-hmm. And there's like this Grizzly Bear song, Two Weeks, was playing, and um, and it just it was like, That's and I and I knew that Beyonce was there. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. like I could you feel Beyonce. Feel you could she, feel, I, could, yeah. I could feel Beyonce. Yeah, you could. Um, and yeah, that's oh. a particular experience that I have. Anyway, poppers. Pop, yeah, oh yeah, my it's time, God. boys. It's Fran, time. are we doing that? Wait, he's shaking it. You're okay. supposed to shake well, it. Well, I think it's a it's a liquid. it's a liquid. So you just. I'm afraid it's gonna like explode like the way like I and give the give the other one. It's not carbonated. Okay, I just have to tell everyone that this bottle is labeled Jungle Juice. Jungle Juice. Yes. I'm terrified. Okay, wait. Where what? Where did you get this, Joe? Nowhere. I just got. <laughs> is this legal? Is this legal? It's absolutely. It is. It is. Wait, it's legal. So you cover one poppers nostril are and just, just suck in through the other. I don't know poppers really. Well, legal. I am good at sucking. Oh my god. Okay, wait. Cover one nostril, suck in through the other. It just smells like paint remover. No, but just let it now. Let it hit your body. I think I'm hey. getting a headache. Go, Dennis. Go. <laughs> I am terrified right now. I am so scared of drugs. Like That's all okay. that dare propaganda worked on me. That's this okay. Is, okay. That's okay. This is so boring. Okay. Um. Did he sniff hard? Oh my god! It smells terrible. Just put it. Oh my god! I hate this. Was that <laughs> enough? I feel like that, that was wasn't definite. enough. That was like the equivalent of taking a hit and not inhaling. Wait, I should I do it again? Do it again. Do it again. Oh my if god! Wonder, do it again. <laughs> this is, I, this is he's, I'm always very sensitive. He's a full bottom because he's like, should I, should I do it again? <laughs> well, I like this. Should I do it again? He's just like Popeye eating spinach. He's like, okay, I just did it again. Okay, just and just just sit there for a moment. I think I have a headache. So I feel like my anus just loosened up. It did. That's exactly what it does. To get fucked. Yes, that's exactly what it does. Welcome to the Church of Poppers. <laughs> I, oh I my God! Did, did we just thing try poppers yes. on air? Yes. <laughs> we're gonna get banned from the radio. <laughs> well, we're not gonna be on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think now. Wait, I'm like fine. getting really hot. Like physically, I just yeah, got really hot. That I'm happens. Just, so your booty loosens, and then you get warm, and I then just, it goes I'm away. I'm so warm right now. My booty didn't well, loosen. You, you are wearing a carpet. This is okay. It is true. It is true that the scarf that I'm wearing today Dennis, is a literal throw rug from West Elm. Yes. So you're not experiencing high. You're literally just having a hot flash on your own accord. <laughs> I think it's time that we move on to the final course of our mental meal, the dessert. I believe Fran's got this one. This week's dessert goes out to Lauren Duca, who is a. Yes, we amazing. love her. She is a writer. She is a freelance writer and frequent contributor to Teen Vogue. But recently, she has a stepped more into the limelight. So when I met Lauren Duca, um, she had, like, I think 20,000 followers on Twitter. And she was just writing a story on a piece on something that um, I was a part of. And what when was it? I t- it was, so I belonged to this artist collective called Nomadique. And she was writing a piece on it for Brooklyn Magazine. I chatted with her and I was like, wow, you're delightful. Mm. Like, you're amazing. She was just like a good person to be around and super warm and super friendly. Exactly one month after that, she came to the exact same artist dinner. um, And I was chatting with her and she was like, yeah, I'm super exhausted because I was just on Chelsea Handler and CNN and MSNBC. And like, (laughs) I'm like slated to go on like Fox and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God. She's like, I wrote this piece that literally went viral. Like, I don't even say that, but it like actually went viral. It's the one about Trump gaslighting. Trump gaslighting America. America. Mm -hmm. And so after she- What part of America? All of America. America. It was was specifically kind of about Trump gaslighting, like white supremacist America too, right? Right. Well, no. it was like all in capturing, but yeah, yeah, did focus on that. And she herself has so much to say about the alt-right or whatever the fuck they want to call themselves. And that was for Teen Vogue. Exactly. Because that's how I first became aware of her. Although I didn't know who she was, I knew that you knew her Mm because you had talked about her. I didn't know that you were specifically referring to this piece that I had retweeted. And when I told people about it, it's something that everyone I know had kind of retweeted or something. Right. So yeah. since that piece, she has been on all of these different news slots as na- and now mm. is being look- looked at as like someone to like talk on Trump in yeah. general. And she has now like 150,000 followers on Twitter. She is including like completely me. Blo- including me as including well. Including me. All and of she us. has blown up. And, and, you know, 
what she represents to me is at least when I see her on the air, when I see her writing is someone who's literally stepping on a platform in front of a bunch of bigots and assholes and misogynists and saying, you know, truth exists. I'm literally defending the concept of truth in front of you right now. And you are telling me that it's not a thing. Yeah. And she is like leading us to glory, Lauren Duca. We love you. You're amazing. Love I, my favorite moment with her was on the Tucker Carlson interview, yes. where Tucker was like citing some of the other articles she had written about thought head boots or about Ariana Grande or whatever. And she was just like, "Oh my God, are you calling me crazy? That's adorable." I'm, I'm asking That's you. You said so on cute. Chelsea Handler, he's giving psychological abuse on you. Uh, you believe that? On the American people. I believe the American people, Trump supporters, Hillary supporters, Jill Stein and her cousin are in a victim of Trump's gaslighting. What I mean by that is that he frequently contradicts objective evidence, not that oh. he is abusing me personally. And I think you're smart enough to know that, aren't you, Tucker? I don't know. I just take your words at face value. He's so did you read the entire article? Psychological... I... I did. I also read Liam Payne is 100% certain One Direction will continue. Adriana yes. Grande rocked the most epic thigh-high boots at yeah. Jingle Bell and so Black team, China and Rob Kardashian. Went through the messiest breakup of 2016. Those are your other pieces. But I'm trying to get to what you're writing about Trump, taking have, a break from the thigh-high boots, and ask what you mean about him committing psychological abuse on you. A and woman you okay? can love Ariana Grande and her thigh-high boots <laughs> okay, and yeah. still I'm just letting you know that I read you politics. in Teen Vogue I, as of today. And... They're, those things are not mutually exclusive. You know, it's, it, now that you bring up Teen Vogue, we, we, we treat young women like they don't have a right to a political <laughs> conversation. Like, dumb and like you can't be, you know, enjoy Kylie Jenner's Instagram and worry about the future of this country. And those things are not mutually exclusive. So, you know what? I did write about Ariana Grande, and I did write uh-huh. about the abusive, bigoted, Those pieces were a little smarter than your piece about threatening the, the sovereignty States. of a whole religion. All right, I got to go. You should stick to the thigh-high boots. You're better at that. Lauren, thanks for joining us. You're so obvious, and what he was doing to her was so sexist and patronizing, and for her to kind of stand up and counter it on the moment, on TV, so eloquently, I was just like, oh. And not it just was also ageist, but also, she read him for filth on his own TV Absolutely. show. Yeah. I was like, you have brass balls, bitch, and I love yeah. you. And what she didn't say was, fuck you, Tucker Carlson, you're trying to debunk me because yeah. Teen Vogue is writing about fashion. You are a failed Dancing <laughs> yeah. with the Stars competitor. <laughs> right. That is that, so rude. Like, that, like rude. human bow tie made of garbage? Please, yeah, why does he even have a show? But I like the fact that, like, what she was saying was was something that I think in in articles that I've read or something that I've interpreted anyway in the way that people speak about the left and about the kind of, um, like if Republicans are hypocrites, then Democrats are spineless and that there is this, right. and, and the, the, the Democratic Party is like super old and not that I'm using the Democratic Party to, to, to stand in for the left because the left is a spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> like sexuality um, and gender. But there, I think we've, We've been waiting for we. I I really love it when people get up there. They speak truth to power. They're eloquent. They're well researched. Right. They're very quick, and they're also shady. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when she was like, when he was like, uh, he had mentioned something that she had supposedly said, and she's like, I'm sorry. Is is my mic not on? I think my mic not on because I don't remember saying <laughs> so that. Amazing. Countering with that, and when she called him a partisan hack, yeah. I yes. thought that was beautiful. But I think she is a part of this generation of people, like uh, people in media, who we have been. Waiting, waiting for, for in a way right. like Cheska Lee yeah. who did yes. the um, shit white, white girls, girls say to black, black girls. girls and has parlayed that and I love her Tumblr too and she's like mm-hmm. extremely smart but also yeah. like again very quick and very well researched and like like and not suffering fools and she has um, been able to take that and, and she has a TV show on MTV MTV yeah. Decoded mm-hmm. where she like takes Amazing. on stereotypes and she takes on like people's limited capacity to critically think about certain things right. regarding race, sexuality, culture, etc. And she like exposes them, but it's like, but, but she leads people through. Yeah. This is yeah. what you thought about this. And, and then she gives them evidence. And then it's just like, it's a very interesting, satisfying thought exercise. Yes. Yes. And not that there aren't men out there who I guess aren't like doing similar things, but can we just like give a shout out to these women yes. who are like taking on these incredible leadership roles and really soldiering 
the conversations forward. Like they are making the conversations that need to happen happen. Yes. I will follow an army of women yes. into glory before I follow an army of men. Like a the Cheskalees, the Lauren Dukas, the what, the Jessica Williams, yeah. yes. Phoebe Robinsons, the people that are like fucking yes. like Chris. The Heaven from, and Tracy's. Yeah, exactly. And so these people are literally like people that I will like constantly want to be pushed in front of a mic just so that they can say something. But an yeah. unfortunate yeah. Effect, effect of them being put in the limelight is then they get things that men don't who That's are put in the same position, which is like absolutely. death threats, rape threats, et cetera, absolutely. you know? The Twitter yeah. ugliness is so horrible. Another thing that Lauren did for God was got Martin Screlli, yeah. Martin Scrotum or whatever, <laughs> uh, kicked <laughs> off of Twitter. Yeah. Yes. That was awesome. Queen. Yes. So fucking Shout out great. to you so, and that yeah. whole movement and all yeah. that. What a delicious Honestly. dessert. Uh, and so good. So good. Twitter justice. Thanks for listening. Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé. Our engineer is Alex Mead Fox at beautiful Spaceman Sound Studios in the heart of industrial Greenpoint, New York. And our producer is the spry and sprightly Julia Alsup. I'm Tommy Pico. You can find me at HeyTeebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S on all relevant social media. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco. That's Fran Squishco at any kind of social media you want. And I'm Dennis Norris II, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Den Den or at my website, www.dennisnorrisii.com. If you have any questions about the show, you can hit us up at foodforthoughtpodcast at gmail.com. That is food, the number four in thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. Hit us up with your questions, thoughts, concerns, or phone numbers. Slide into the DMs. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.